Take your Bible this morning, if you would please follow along with me as I uh, look through the Word of God and find scriptures that's pertinent to finances. This morning, I'm going to try to start at the beginning. Is that all right? I know we've been here 25 years. I realize that you've sat through every every kind of stewardship meeting in the world that you can imagine. 25 years. Every year, we've had stewardship emphasis in the month of January. Uh, and so, we always realize that our attendance is going to go down a dab in January. They'll come back up when I quit talking about money next month. You say, how do you know that? I look at the records, man. It's just the way it is. Have you ever wondered why people resent preacher talking about money? The Bible says you cannot serve two masters. You will love the one and hate the other. And you'll cling to one and flee from the other. You have one God. It's either money or Jesus. Amen. Because you cannot serve two masters. Jesus said that. So what we must do for new Christians is somehow or another teach them and give them the example that Jesus is a lot better God than mammon. And there's a lot more fulfillment in the Lord than there is in material possessions. But ever since they've been born, they've been programmed, have we not, by parents, by the media, by the academia and the academic uh, institutions of the world that if you can get enough junk, you can be happy. Well, how's that working? (laughs) I mean, look at America. We got more junk than anybody and we're broker than China. Dear Lord, they're plowing rice paddies with a one plow and somebody pulling it and they got more than we've got here where we owe our soul to China. How's this old philosophy? The more you get to happier be working out. So uh, I just thought it would be all right and and you say, well, preacher, are you going to preach? Are you going to teach? What are you going to do? I don't have no idea, but most of you folk are members here, so you shouldn't gripe about it. Amen. But I'm going to start like they started me in every college I've attended. They, when I started this Bible college, they put me in Bible 101. What, you know what that meant? I didn't know anything about Bible. So they started at the beginning and taught me everything. Then I got in theology and I started in theology 101. The next year I took theology 101. And for four years I took theology 101. And uh, since I couldn't pass 101, I just quit. I'm not, I'm just kidding you. So I thought we'd start today 
There won't, probably won't be a lot of shouting today. <laughs> there probably won't be a whole lot of hallelujahs and amen. I would like to turn to Malachi chapter number three. And before you say that's the Old Testament, please be informed. I know it. <laughs> amen. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. Paul said, I'm not shunned to uh, share with you the whole counsel of God. A lot of folks really have hangups about speaking on finances. That's why they have me to speak on finances. I hate to talk about it. You can see it all over my face. Notice if you would please in Malachi 3 and I mean Malachi 1 if you would for just a minute and verse number 2. I want to read you a phrase out of there. Verse 2, the Bible says, I have loved you, saith the Lord. Now look here just a minute. If you read in the book of Malachi, you'll find that the people of God has turned their back on God. They have a profession of faith, but it's only superficial. It only shows up down at the temple. It don't show up in their day-to-day relationships with their fellow man. And the minute you turn your back on God, you'll turn your back toward things. If you do not turn your eye toward God, they'll always be tuned to things. And God in the book of Malachi is trying to segregate things from the heart and the life and the devotion of his people. Please look with me, if you would, in verse 6. A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear, saith the Lord of hosts unto you? O priests that despise my name. And you say, wherein have we despised thy name? And God's quick to offer, quick to answer in verse 7. Ye offer polluted bread upon my altar. Bread that you won't eat. You bring it to me. And you say, wherein have we polluted thee? In that you say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accepted thy person, saith the Lord? God said, take your rotten bread and your lame animals. And that which you don't want to keep yourself and give it to the governor and see how much he's pleased with it. 
you paid the government like you pay God, would you have a visitor pretty soon? That's all he said. You say you're not supposed to be that plain. I didn't write it. I just read it. I'm sorry. Verse number 14, would you please? The Bible said, but cursed be the deceiver, which hath in his flock a male, and voweth, and sacrifice unto the Lord a corrupt thing. I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. Verse 6 of chapter number 3. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, you're gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return? And God said, will a man rob God? It's a good question, isn't it? Yes. Would anybody here today dare rob God? That's the question. Yet ye have robbed me. That's what God said. Well, that must be a shysty bunch of folk. What would you think the morals would be of this crowd? They'd rob God. Wherein have we robbed thee? That's what they ask. I like God's answer. In tithes and in offerings. You mean to tell me a Christian that does not tithe is a God robber? Verse 9. Ye are cursed with a curse. Please listen just a minute. Had a family that was just as faithful as they could be. And of course, it could be repeated over and over. His family may be here. I forget even who it was. I don't mean to be uh, embarrassing anyone. They begin to have tremendous family problems. The relationship began to crumble and the kids just absolutely became insecure and uneasy. It went on for some time. The man later came to my office and he said, I can tell you the day that our family problem started. I can remember not writing a check. And I remember not writing any more checks. And I can show you the day that my home began to crumble and fall apart. It's the day I quit honoring God in my finances. Ye are cursed with a curse. That's hard. That's right, preacher. We work our fingers to the bone to give our kids everything they need. 
and dressed them in clothes with money that belongs to God. What kind of chance does those kids have in this world under the curse of God because of mammon crazy worshiping Christians? Cursed with a curse. Verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall be no room enough to receive it. You can't tell me that Christians who are obedient in the matter of finances and God is providing all of their needs, they're going to walk down poor mouthing and mean and arrogant. No, sir. They're going to be rejoicing in the Lord. Well, bring your tithes and offerings in the storehouse. God said, I'll pour you out a blessing. Verse 11. Then he said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He said, I'll get the devil off your back. I'll run the devil out of your house. I'll put a hedge about your kids so that the devil and all the dope addicts and the pornography freaks and the weirdos and the perverts can't get to your kid. I'll let them go to a school where they encourage homosexuality, but I'll build a hedge around your kids. I'll rebuke the devourer for your faith, for your sake. How much will that cost you? 10%. How much are you paying for insurance? If you're paying more money for medical insurance than you are for eternal security insurance, you're not very smart, folks. I don't have God taking care of me as Blue Cross Blue Shield. You say, but you don't know. No, I do understand. You don't understand. You said, I got to have insurance. Man, I got insurance. Huh? And the Bible goes on to say, I rebuke the devourer for your sake. And you shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vines cast her fruit before time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Talking to an agricultural society now. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, saith the Lord of hosts. I just want to take the word of God today and, and, and try to help you just a little bit. This morning, I want to start at the starting place and talk about tithes and offerings. I don't know if I get through today. If I don't, you folks that's planning on watching the ball game tonight, you'll get out of that one. But if you'll come back tonight, I'm going to talk to you about Finances 101, how to manage your money. Amen. You say, well, I got more than you do. That's wonderful. How much you taking it with you? How much of that money that you're sitting on are you going to take with you? Good question. And how many fistfights are your kids going to have trying to divide it? 
Amen, buddy. Mine, they're going to get what I taught them. That's how to make it, how to save it, how to invest it. And me and my wife's going to blow every bit of the rest of it. So tonight I'll talk to you about how to manage your money. And you say, well, who made you the expert? Not me. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. And that'll work every time. So this morning, let's look for just a minute at verse number 10. I'll talk to you about tithes and offerings. The Bible said, bring ye. Is that what it says? Not send ye. Not mail ye. Bring ye. Is that what it says? That kind of is indicative, bless God, that you ought to be in God's house when the doors are open. Bring ye all. How much? All. Now, Sister Sue on television and Brother Kate over yonder and Reverend Moe and Bishop Doolittle and uh, uh, all those guys. Bring ye all the tithes and offerings. Into the storehouse. Is that what your Bible says? So we want to talk this morning about uh, uh, what Christians ought to give and where Christians ought to give and why Christians ought to give and the way Christians ought to give. But before we do that, I want to preface what should we give? First of all, we should give ourselves unto the Lord. If God does not have me, he don't want my money. He does not need all of the wealth that I've accumulated in these many, many years. Me and Howard Hughes and, uh, and Bates and all the other wealthy people in the world, God's not interested in our money. He could buy all of us out of petty cash. Do you understand that? Jesus said, just go down yonder, catch you a fish, and the first fish you catch, look in his mouth. And what a coincidence, there was money in his mouth. Jesus don't have any trouble with money. He's just trying to segregate us from that God that has us locked up, and it's that God called money and mammon material things. And so we want to talk about that today. Look, if you would, please, in verse 6 and 7. God, first of all, wants us to give ourselves. How many of you believe that? In verse 6 and 7, the Bible said, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your father, you're gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But he said, wherein shall we return? So here God is specifically and, and, and telling us that he wants us to give us, I give, give him ourselves. Second Corinthians 8 and 5 said that the folks at Macedonia didn't give as they expected, but they gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Malachi is emphasizing something today. God's people has forsaken him and he's forsaken the decrees of God, forsaken the will of God. And here God is saying, I want you to come back. I want you to return. I want you to give yourself before when we talk about money, I want you. And if God don't have you, he don't need your money. Amen. And believe me, if he don't have you, he ain't got your money. Right. Is that not so? Yes, sir. And so God wants me first. God does not want my money. God wants me 
first. And uh, uh, I like what Isaiah said when he saw the Lord high and lifted up. Here am I. Send me. That's what God wants. God wants us. Amen. Amen. God wants us. He died for us. He committed love toward us that he died while we were sinners. He wants us for God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. You are important, not your money. And by the way, if God died for all the money I've got, he sure died a cheap death. Most of us so broke we need a cosigner to pay cash. I don't understand why we get mad when we start getting mad at the preacher when he talks about what we don't have. (laughs) America is in debt over their ears. The average American, every household in America, every individual in America, if you take all the consumer debt, I'm not talking about your houses. I'm not talking about anything that is guaranteed by a mortgage. I'm talking about consumer debt. Everybody in this church on an average is $8,500 in debt to credit cards. Amen. You say, well, I'm not. Well, just think that guy next to you must be 16.5. Well, if he's not, then all around you, somebody, that makes 27.5. And God don't care anything about our money. Please understand that. He owns the cattle on every hill and the wealth in every mine. He can mine it with a fingertip, buddy, and flow it all over this place. He loves you. He wants us. That's what God wants. He wants us. And he wants us to give ourselves to God. Second thing I'd like to talk to you about, we should give our substance to to God's control. Now look, God's control. Listen, God's control. Who's controlling your money? You said, well, she won't let me control it. God's control. Here's the verses, verse 7 and 8. God says in verse 7 and 8, From the days of thy father, you've gone from me. And then he says down in verse 8, Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. You say, where have we robbed you? He said, in tithes and offerings. In other words, God said, fill in your pocket right now. You've got God's money in your jeans. God said, Somebody is controlling your change. Now, it's a bad reflection to God when you got more checks to Walmart than you do to the church. I told you my amen to get short. (laughs) Who is controlling your tithes and your offerings? Did you already have it planned out what you're going to give next week? Then you're controlling it. Well, I got it down to the penny, buddy. I, I split the nickel. I've got the buffalo grunt. I'm so tight. I know what I'm giving. God said, if it's mine, I should be controlling it. Four questions. Okay? You want to write them down? Number one, what have you got? What have you got? I don't have anything. Got any kids? 
Got a home. Look around this church, some of these kids. Good kids. Kids have been raised in this church. Kids going out and got education. Kids are married and kids now raising a family. Kids now bring over to your house a grandbaby that's in church that can sing, Oh, how I love Jesus. Got anything? I come in the parking lot a little late this morning and I didn't run over one barrel tied to a light pole. But I walked by cataracts and uh, Lexus. I drove by trucks that cost $60,000 in our parking lot. What do you got? If you're married, turn to the side and look at your wife. Then go home and look in the mirror. You married over your head, dude. What have you got? Some of you guys got muscles. You can flex and it'll bust your BVDs. What do you got? You got a nice home. You drove nice vehicles. You kids have parents that loved you. Didn't adopt you out. Don't leave you in a closet. Locked while they go out and do drugs. Loves you. Give their life for you. Work for you. What have you got? Sit around, suck on our thumb about being so bad off. What do you got? Second question. Where'd you get it? Amen. Amen. Where did you get it? Every good and perfect gift come from Father above, of whom there is no variableness. Can you say amen? amen. You want to know why you got that woman? Because you ain't pretty enough to get her. Right. Amen, buddy. John, you could stand up too. Billy, you could too. I ought to stay standing. Can you say amen? Lanny, you ought to do a flip. Can you say amen? Where did you get it? Where'd she come from, buddy? I'm telling you, we sat around here today and nickel and changed God and penny any spirituality and we don't realize how good God has been to us. What have you got? Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what God had done. Amen, Amen. Amen buddy. Yes sir. yes, sir. When you get old and crippled like me, you'll appreciate a wife that waits on you. Amen. And sometimes I just act crippled. <laughs> just to get room service. What do you got? Mm-hmm. Ah, if I was you, I'd keep, I'd keep pinning in God. Yeah, I'd keep bringing in polluted offerings. I'd go out in my backyard and get a crippled chicken and bring to God. Don't bring him one of them slaying anything. Looking at the little Mr. Scrooge just dive into your dollars and way down there and get you one of them pities and Bring it to Jesus. Heard about the little kids playing store. 
little girl behind the counter here. Daddy hadn't been playing too much with the kids, so I thought, I'll go play with the kids. Daddy walked up there and said, say, Susie, I'd like that can of peas right there. Susie took the peas and sat on the counter. Daddy reached his pocket and pulled out a dime, laid down there. Started to walk off. Susie said, Daddy, we're playing store, not church. (laughs) What have you got? Where'd you get it? Another question, be all right? What are you doing with it? What, what are you doing with what God has given you? You kids that get to go to a Christian school. You don't have to be bullied. Amen. The only people that bullies you is me. I bully you into wearing ties. I bully you into wearing suits. I bully you into acting right. I bully you into cutting your hair. I bully you into saying yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. I bully, bully, bully. Maybe I'm just a bully. But now what are you doing with what you got? What have you got? Where'd you get it? And why are you doing it? Last question. If you were God, in the light of what you're doing with what with it, would you give you any more? If you had a kid... And you gave him $500 and he went and bought $500 worth of bubble gum and come back and wanted $500 more. At least you'd say, wait till you chew that. What'd you do with your $500 this week? Bought bubble gum. I, I honestly thought this would go over better in our church. First thing we should give ourselves. Second thing we should give, we should give our substance to God's control. The issue is who is in control. The question is who should be in control. The problem is who is in control. The question is who's really calling the shots And the question is, who should be in control? The Bible said, ye are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body and spirit, which are the Lord's. Actually, the question comes down to ownership. Who owns everything? See, this morning I was going to cover the 10% you give. Tonight I was going to cover the 90% that you keep. It's not the 10% that's hurting us. It's how we're handling the 90% that we don't have. And since we don't handle that right, we need the 100%. And here is a good principle. In the book of 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, it talks about God 
given seed to the sower and given bread to the sower. And he says, whatever you do, don't waste the bread, then eat the seed. If a farmer wastes the bread and out of necessity eats the seed, there's not going to be any harvest. And what is happening to Christians all over the country is God gives you enough. Just we don't handle it right. See? And you say, well, I want more. Well, the problem is you haven't first given yourselves to God. Because when you do that, having food and raiment, we were there with be content. And we are not a very contented nation. If you don't believe me, you go to Cabello's and watch the credit cards flow. Amen. So, number two, we should give our substance to God's control, verse 7 and 8. And then three, we should give our support to God's work, verse 8. Now, notice, if you would please, verse 8, in the latter part of the verse... It says tithes and offerings. Now I want to explain that to you and we'll close. I, I want to tell you what the tithe is and I want to tell you where the tithe belongs and I want to tell you why we should give the tithe. And now notice if you would please, why should we want to support God's work? Notice it says tithe. That's 10%. It means a tenth. Okay? It means a tenth. You say, well, that's under the law. No, we'll cover that later. No, no, no. No. If that's the weak, if that's the strongest part of your argument you've got, uh, you need to get saved. Bless your heart. That's under law. Wow. Is that the only law you know? How <laughs> about the law of the Sabbath? See, if you believe that 10% is on the law, you at least ought to come to the church house every week. That way you'd be a real, real law keeper. Notice it said tithes. Notice what it said. Tithes and what? Tithes and offerings. Okay. So if we give what God demands, he gives tithes and offerings, right? Right? Yes. 10% of what I make. 45 years ago, dear God, if, I, if I'm only giving 10% today, I hope God just absolutely zaps me. If I haven't grown in faith and grace any more than that, I just might go quit. This is kindergarten stuff. This is 101 stuff. Yes, yeah. You want to get right with God, number one, before you give to Uncle Sam, right. before you pay direct television, yes. before you pay your computer programmer, exactly. cut it off. 10% belongs to God. Amen. The first 10%. Amen. Amen. The first. Amen. The first. And anything you give above that is an offering and you give it because you love God. Amen. Okay. 
He said, well, I, I send my money to Reverend Ike or Bishop Jake or Sister Slewfoot. Where should the tithe be given? Okay. I want you to take your Bible to a place in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 12. Hold your place there. Then I want you to go to the New Testament in the book of 1 Timothy. Okay. Notice we're not shouting yet. Please don't go out of here today and tell me, tell anybody that I called you a God robber. I did not write this. I just read it. God said, bring you all the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse. We must identify the storehouse. Deuteronomy chapter 12. If you look down about verse 11, would you do that, please? Now, you need to see this, folks, please. I'm trying to help you. I'm not trying to get into your money. I don't need your money. I don't need not one dime you got. And if you were to farm me tomorrow, I still wouldn't need your dime. I can work. I can make money. I don't need your money. Look at verse 11. Then there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. Thither. Now, if you don't know what that means, in redneck language, that means right there. Thither. Wherever his name is called. Wherever he causes his name to be called. There. Bring all that I command you. Is that what it says? Your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your heave offering of the hand and all, and all your choice vows which you vow unto the Lord. Now listen, please help me now. Wherever God chooses his name to dwell in all dispensations, whether it's Abraham or Jacob at Bethel, whether it's Samuel at Shiloh, whether it's Moses at the tabernacle, come on, come on. Yes. whether it's Solomon at the temple, wherever God's name is called and he chooses to put his name there, there is where all of your tithes and your offerings is to go. Amen. Are you with me? Yes, sir. 1 Timothy 3, verse 15. You say, preacher, I'd rather if you get really excited and jump up and down and tell stories. <laughs> verse 15, please. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. At Shiloh, 
There was a storehouse. And they brought those goods, the tithes and offerings, and put them in the storehouse to take care of the ministering expenses of Shiloh. At the tabernacle, they brought tithes and offerings, and the priest and the Levites ate of those offerings. At the temple, they had a regular storehouse where they stored the tithes and offerings, if you please. If you look in the book of Nehemiah, whenever the offerings quit coming, God left. Can you say amen? And Nehemiah went down and straightened that out and kicked uh, the folks out of the house of God, the Arabians and everything, and put the tithes and offerings back in there, and God returned. This church has never and will never support the ministry with other than tithes and offerings. Any gas money comes in, we give it to missions. The tail is not wagging this dog. God supplies our needs. And we believe that God's people is under a divine mandate to support the work of God and to bring the tithes and offerings in. And we don't apologize for that. You don't drive by our church and see a rummage sale. You don't drive by our church and see us trying to sell something, a Lottie Moon offering or a Big Daddy offering. No, sir. Tithes and offerings supports the house of God. Where? The church is God's storehouse. If you're sending one dime, if you're sending one penny to those guys on television, you are as unscriptural as the devil when God kicked him out of heaven. Amen. 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 You say, well, they're good guys. How do I know that? How do you know that? I made the illustration Sunday night or Wednesday night and a lot of folks raised their eyelids. I said, why don't you just make your offering out to me instead of Joshua Baptist Church? And you say, well, well, I don't know why I do that. Well, why would you make one out to some yahoo you don't even know? (laughs) Dr. Schuler's grass castle has begun to crumble. Now he's in bankruptcy. And all the money you sent to the glass cathedral in California has gone the way of all prune pickers. God has a storehouse and it's where his name is called. It's where you are a member. It's where you get fed. It's where you have your children married. It's where you have your dead be buried. It's where they come to the hospital and pray for you night after night, day after night. It's where you love. It's the storehouse. It's the church of the living God. Amen. And that's where it all goes. Amen. Amen. Didn't mean to get excited. Given why God demands it, let me give you that. Here it is. Two reasons why you ought to give. Number one, to prove God. Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord. Just, you know, that's the only place in all the Bible God ever said, prove me. He said, if you'll bring your offerings... Like I told you to do. Prove me and see if I will not open the windows of heaven. 
if I had folks stand up this morning and give you testimony of unknown sources coming to you, unexpected blessings coming to you. Somebody just happened to walk down the highway and just happened to stop by your place and just happened to give you a car or give you. We say, nobody's doing that to me. Oh, shh, don't tell See if I will not open the windows of heaven. Is your window shut? Is your window shut? You know how you shut your window? By keeping God's tithes and offerings. And this morning, when the offering was taken, if you be real conscientious and listen, you'll hear You say, you've been silly. No, so I'm telling you the truth. Many of God's people have the window shut because they're controlling their money. They're controlling their attitude. They're controlling what's going on. God says, I want control. I want you to allow me to control what I give you. I want you to be a steward. I want to control you. And I want you to control me and mine. I want you to do that. And you say, not me. I'm not a Baptist. What's that got to do with it? All Baptists ain't broke. Just them folk. But now some this morning wrote it out. Laid an off plate. Not grudgingly. Not of necessity. Cheerfully, gratefully, lovingly. Laid it there and give it to God. This week. Blessings. You say that won't work. Then don't try it. Just keep pedaling your own little boat. Keep pedaling that bicycle all you want and cussing everybody's got a Cadillac. Say, well, I'm more humble riding a bicycle. No, you're broke. That's why you're riding a bicycle. Be honest now. She won't talk to me. Maybe she knows what a crook you are. What kind of example are you to family? Well, I got to ask your fucking tithe. Say what? Do you ask her if you can breathe? In her direction? Prove God. Second reason we give is that there may meet in his house. 80,000 dollars, give or take. This past year, we gave to families who need it. Amen. 80,000 plus. God loves poor folk. Read the book of Proverbs, see what God says about poor folk. Give to the poor, you'll lend to the Lord. And he'll be no man's debtor. Amen. Amen. 
There needs to be meat in my house, God says, to pay the staff, to pay for this, to pay for that, and all of this and that. And you say, well, preacher, I think we're just too extravagant. What kind of God you got? The temple was overlaid in solid gold. Everything was to bring honor and glory to God. Not to the priest or the preacher. It's to bring honor and glory to God. And God said, if you'll just be honest with me in your tithes and offerings, bring them. See if I will not open the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing. I'll rebuke the devourer for your land. I will make sure that your job holds out. I will make sure that you're not run off and unemployed. I will take care of you if you'll just honor me. Just honor me with 10% and an offering because you love me. And all of God's people said. You say, preacher, do you practice that? For 45 years. God called me to preach 45 years ago. And when God called me to preach, I read a verse. They that live, though that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. I've punched no man's time clock in 45 years. I've called no man and asked him for a place to preach. I've called no man and asked him for a love offering. I've asked no man for a job. Asked no man for a handout. Because my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. I believe that. And I believe with all my heart. If we'll get a hold of finances 101. I'm not talking about sacrificial offering. I'm not talking about the time I took Billy and Terry and Jerry and a few of you other men to my office. And and just put a bug on their back. And walked them in the office and said, guys, if we're going to have a $100,000 offering next year, would you, Billy and Mary... And Terry and Jerry and Vicki and Miss Diane and others, would you join my wife and I, Ginger, and give a $5,000 offering that day? Yeah. Billy said, yeah. yeah. Terry said, yeah. yeah. Ten officers that day in the office said, yes. Yeah. And we joined hands in hand that day. Remember that, Brother Billy? Mary, you remember that? Terry, you remember that? And we got a hundred plus thousand dollar offering that day. Amen. You're worshiping on the property that that hundred thousand dollars bought. Amen. Are you listening to me? It'll work. Amen. It'll work. Our Father, today we thank you not for the money you've given us. But for the life that you've given us, 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 that you've given us.